This is Sunny Hollywood Pooney from the Growing Up Rock Podcast and Podcast Rock City, and you are listening to Jay Scott on The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Do you know where you are? I certainly hope so. Time to get hooked. Everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to the Hook Rocks. I'm your host, Jay Scott, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I always mention before we begin each episode, great platform of music-related podcast. Something for everyone's music taste is on the platform. I always mention my friends on the Hanging and Banging podcast, Vinny Apice and Carmen Apice, along with Ron and Nesty, as well as Shout Out Loudcast. Martin Popoff, Mistress Carrie, and Baco on Cobras and Fire. So check out all those podcasts on the Pantheon Podcast Network. You can find that platform at PantheonPodcast.com. You can follow them on Twitter and on Facebook, Pantheon Pods. And you can also follow The Hook Rocks on Twitter and Facebook. Search us up at The Hook Rocks. You can follow us wherever you do podcast. Any platform, we are on it. Whether it's Amazon, Spotify, Apple, you can catch all our episodes. Don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get all the latest and greatest Hook Rocks episodes. We've had some great episodes recently. We just had Emma Reynolds on, the director for the Phil Lynott documentary, Songs for While I'm Away. Great conversation with her about Phil Lynott and her approach to the movie and what she wanted to tell uh, the, the story she wanted to tell about Phil. We also have had some great new music spotlights with Seven Stones, Odd Even, and Travis McCready, the former singer of Bishop Gunn. We also tackled the subject on streaming services, proposing the lowest royalty rates in the history of music. So catch out that episode. I get a little fired up when I talk about that stuff because it's how much more can you take from these artists? It's just absolutely ridiculous. Sliver of a penny. Sliver of a penny. Sliver. A sliver. But uh, our next guest, or my two next guests, are members of a band that I've been wanting to have on since the beginning of this year, ever since I heard their single Breathe come out. Uh, fantastic video. Fantastic song. What really, to me, separates this song from a lot of new bands that are out there is the arrangement is just absolutely kick-ass. It's so layered. It's so textured. Uh, it's a great band, a great band to watch out for in 2022 and beyond. I'd like to welcome in Stacy and Peter from Crashing Wayward. What's going on, guys? What's up, Jay? Thank you. Hey, thanks, hey, for, having thanks for having us. 
Yeah, man. Totally looking forward to this conversation for a while. Glad we're able to do it. Um, and glad we're able to do it before the end of 2021, because I kind of want to include you in that conversation of great emerging bands that have come out since 2020 into this year. Uh, there's been so much great music, you guys included. So it's a pleasure to have you on the Hook Rocks. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Well, we always, we always start the same way. Every time we have first-time guests on the show, we always start with the same first question. And that is really what we're all about. Just like every great rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you guys? Stacy, you want to start? <laughs> how you got it? Uh, you got it. How to describe this band, or just uh, you in general, right? Yeah. Whatever hooked you. What whatever set your path um, on rock and roll. I, I think, um, you know, for me, it was, um, you know, I came from a long line of piano players. Um, so, you know, I was fortunate to, much like uh, you know, Peter, to have uh, an older sister who had, you know, uh, lots of friends. And my friends had older sisters and brothers who had great record collections and I think it was for me, it was the probably the first time I heard Black Dog by Led Zeppelin. And I was just like, what is that? Um, but I was also into, you know, the Bee Gees and the Eagles and, you know, anything music. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot, you know, um, I remember that being resonating with me as a five year old. You know, I'd walk around my house going, Sundown, you better take care. <laughs> um, so there was quite an eclectic um, mix of music uh, for me as a kid. Um, you know, I was into everything from, you know, Van Halen to Cheap Trick, but also really liked, um, you know, David Bowie and the Bee Gees and, um, you know, Sticks and, and, and bands like that. And, uh, you know, in the early 80s hit, I was sucked into all that early 80s new wave movement of the motels and, you know, um, Psychedelic Furs and uh, David Bowie. Of course, he always changed with every decade, but um, all those great bands, Billy Idol and Duran Duran. And um, so, uh, you know, there was an eclectic, mix of music that resonated with me on all levels. So that's uh yeah kind of complicated. <laughs> yeah, mine mine's a little more uh you know cut and dry. Uh I can go down the list of what influenced me or to me from the echo my first memory was Queen, another one bites the dust. And uh just hearing that uh for the first time was just like wow. It was kind of like funny. I was young, but it was like a funny song. Like, wow, what are they? What are they saying? Another one bites the dust. And uh, from that, it was Duran Duran. Actually, uh, a lot of the new wave and the funk and kind of like uh, disco and just the anthemic swells of the music really hooked me. Then I kind of got into uh, my brother listened to a lot of uh, post punk, uh, early goth, and alternative. And I remember one evening uh, going to bed and he would just be playing his records and the Colt Electric came on. And that just kind of like, that, that was the big hook in rock for me. 
yeah. the cult. Music was yeah. so much more magical back then. Uh, I don't know why music is, is, I mean, there's a lot of good new bands, but just in general, like why is music sucks so bad now? Well, I had a, I just, I had a conversation with Mike, uh, our producer, Mike, about that and, uh, just the other day. And it's because back then I, we feel like, you know, people made albums. Now it's just about the single. Yeah, I, I think there's something to it. I think it's the lack of physical connection with music. Yeah. You know, when when I was younger, when you guys were younger, when we went to the record store to get an album, that was going to babysit us for like the next two weeks. We'd lock right. ourselves yeah. in our room. We'd have the liner notes. We'd look at the album art. We'd look at the back. Yeah, it was an of experience. It. Yeah, it was an experience. Now it's point click download. It, it comes from it comes from thin air now. There's no right. There's no, there's not an appreciation uh, for it because you can't touch it, you can't feel it, you can't hold it. Um, Dude, and I, yeah, fr- and I, yeah. Friday nights at Tower Records. Yeah, I know. In Chicago, we had Rolling Stone Records, and yeah. we get our uh, we get our paychecks. You know, on Friday, you know, I worked at a grocery store, and then we'd all, you know, jump in a car, and we'd all go down and pick up hot dogs and go to the record store, and we'd sit in the parking lot and listen to the albums that we just got on the tape deck in the car and we cruise up and down the streets. Everybody's listening to music. It was, it was a moment that you look yeah. forward to. Now it just doesn't have that, that feel to it. It doesn't have that, that right. physical connection. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Stacy, exactly. you mentioned something too, as well with piano. Mm-hmm. Um, my musical journey, I've mentioned this on the show. My grandfather was a piano player back in the days of the speakeasies he used to play for the mobsters wow. back in chicago kidding. Oh, nice. and, and uh sam g and who replaced al capone my grandfather was his favorite piano player and wow. and uh i used to stay overnight there when i was a kid and i remember as early as four years old waking up on a sunday morning to this booming piano in the basement he had a baby grand and he he played it like it was thunder Oh you yeah. Know? Like, like, like he really hit those keys hard. And then I had an older brother who was four years older than me that brought the album journey escape in oh, the house. Geez. And I was like seven or eight. Of course, the first song is don't stop believing. I hear the piano I make that connection. And then I was on my way. Yeah. What a great album. Yeah. yeah. That album changed my life too. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Peter, you mentioned, um, you know, the, you know, the, another one bites the dust, which was, you know, really big here in Chicago. Cause it was played after Chicago bulls games when, when Jordan was uh, right. playing. And then you also, I never really had an appreciation for Duran Duran until I saw them live like 15 years ago. And right. I was blown away. Absolutely yeah. blown away. I mean, like they're, I mean, talk about sounding almost perfect. Yeah. Live. Right. Sometimes it, yeah. a, that's a cool moment you mentioned jay that it's like the certain artists that have been around for years and you may have been like yeah they're okay you know or you appreciate yeah i listen to them and then years and years and years go by and you see them and all it's just like i remember i had that experience in 98 i saw Iggy pop and i was just blown away man this guy came out in no shirt cut like a rug in black vinyl pants and just destroyed, you know, 2000 people. And I was, my eyes, I didn't take my eyes off. And this band was all cool. And they smokes in their mouth and like Les Paul. It was fucking amazing. It was one of the best concerts ever sound. I was like, it reiterated 
how great that artist was. And all of a sudden I went down the Iggy Pop wormhole, you know, I started buying all those little back catalog and the Stooges. And it was just like, I got sucked in and exposed to that at an early age, but it, I, I, you know, didn't really become like ensconced in it. Yeah, it, it is a great moment when you find an artist that has been around for so long and it's like a new artist for you. It's like a new band, you know, and you go down that rabbit hole of discovering their music. And I know we just talked about Thin Lizzy before we came on. Thin Lizzy was one of those bands for me. Like I couldn't have cared about Thin Lizzy while I was growing up, while I was, you know, growing up in the late 80s, early 90s. And then about 10 years ago, you know, I only knew them, you know, jailbreak and, and boys yeah. are back in town. And I started listening to Johnny, the Fox record and, uh, just blew me away. And just the lyrics that Phil wrote, you know, the poetry, yeah, and the stories, great, great lyricist. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, I, I love when that happens or like even a song, like you ever have that experience where you get an album and there's a, always that song or two in the beginning that you kind of skip over. And then like five or six years later, you're just playing it in the car and you hear that song, you're like, wait, this song is really fucking good. <laughs> like, like, why have yeah. I not listened to this before? You know? Right. So yeah, yeah it ha- yeah. I love when that happens. It's like it's like a whole yeah. it's a whole newness and discovery that that is, is that is the gift of music. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That happens a lot for me when I'm watching a movie, you know, a song I just totally hate. But if it's in the right moment, it's like it just totally opens up your a whole new perspective. Or when you're in a club, yeah. you know, when you're in a club yeah. and you're and you're right. waiting for a band to come on and they're playing songs before they get on stage and you, and it just hits you right at that yeah. moment and you're like, this is a really badass song, and it just seals the deal for you. It's it's just it, it's that experience and and I don't know, you know, if younger people, the younger generation, get that yet. You know, I think mm-hmm. there, I think it is changing. I think yeah. it really is. I think if you look at what's happened as a result of a pandemic. I think a lot of younger people have that angst that rock and roll needs to survive. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that's been, been created as you know, the last year and a half. Yeah. There was, there right. was some young guys we met at our first show, which was just October 15th. And uh, I, I saw these two guys standing together and they, they were just fixated on us all night. And I could, it was kind of amazing to see, because it was like, I could tell that they were experiencing something very cool of what we were, you know, throwing out there. And, uh, you know, Pete and I would talk to them after the show. If you remember those guys, Pete, and they, they, were, yeah. they were, they were just so cool. And they were, they were, they were really oh, yeah. by the show. And that's an amazing, well, I love that exchange when you, you know, cause we're all fans, whether we play music or, we're, you know, we're looked at as um rock stars or whatever we're still fans you know so uh that and that energy whether it's from us or from a fan's perspective it's still that exchange of that awesome music when it's really good yeah it's that synergy that's created you know between the crowd and the band that you know once it's in your blood you know, once you experience that, that's why I always tell my friends who have younger kids, you know, I have a 16 year old, but you know, a teenager, take them to a rock and roll show. They'll be changed forever. Yeah. Changed forever. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's not science. It's just, it's, yeah. it'll happen. You know? to go see Alice Cooper, you know? I mean, yeah. 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 
Where did it go from there, guys? Where did your journey continue in terms of wanting to be on stage, wanting to be in a band after that initial moment that hooked you on rock and roll? Uh, geez, for me, it actually kind of came later in life. Um, I've always kind of thought of myself as a performer and, uh, I never really took myself seriously as a singer. And then, uh, you know, to be honest, I actually pretty much got started from liquid courage and karaoke. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start a band. (laughs) It just kind of went from there. I just love performing. I've always loved performing rock because it's just. It's just like a, a full, it's purely cathartic for me every time I'm on stage and I perform. So um, it's always been uh, a desire just to get that out and be on the stage and perform the way we, uh, you know, I do with my band and it's just a beautiful thing. So um, that yeah. pretty much was my start. You know, it's nothing like going back. Oh, I started when I was 13 and liquid courage and karaoke. The rest is history. What about you, Stacey? Um, um, you know, I uh, started piano when I was nine and took heavy lessons to 11. And then my parents bought me this little acoustic guitar. And I just remember I picked it up and I, you know, did the Pete Townsend thing. <laughs> thing never, it never left my hands. So, um, you know, by the time I was 14, you know, my parents are going, oh, shit, what did you do? Uh, and I would just stand in front of the mirror and I would just, you know, visualize and, you know, unbeknownst to me, law of attraction, right? Uh, I would just visualize and I stand there with my electric guitar and I would just visualize the lights and screaming fans. And it was, you know, it was everything that it sucked me in, you know, watching Ozzy and Judas Priest and, and Van Halen. And it was like, that's what I'm going to do, you know? And, um, I was like, that's, this is it. This is my destiny. So I, you know, I, I was, I was blessed to have music in my life at a very young age. Um, and you know, I had bands and I started playing clubs when I was like 18. Um, you know, and then uh, I got my first break, uh, when I was 23, I grew up in Toronto. And I joined a band that was on Virgin Records uh, in the States. And, and then um, so that band for eight years. And then uh, 2003, I joined LA Guns and uh, was blessed to be in that band for 10 years and did many, many, many world tours and records. So I, I've, you know, really worked my ass off to get where I, where I am. I <laughs> feel very blessed at the same time. But it was, you know, what I visualized as a kid. And uh, it's funny when it's like those dreams do come true. But, um, you know, you work your ass off to get where you're at. And it's you eat a lot of shit along the way, you know. Um, but I, I can't imagine doing anything else. So. I'm not really good at anything else. But. What about no, writing music? True. You know, writing music is, is, a, is a very important part of creating. Um, was there a song? that you heard that inspired you to write a melody, write lyrics, uh, continue on that path? Because, you know, that, you know, you can hear music, you can begin, you can pick up the instruments and playing. And a lot of people in the beginning, they, they play what they know. They play what they hear. They play the songs of the bands they're listening to. And then there's that moment where the light bulb clicks where it's like, 
hey, that's a great song. I want to I want to be able to, to connect and write a song <laughs> like that or, or or be in that type of bubble. Was there a moment for you guys? Hmm. I think, um, you know, Pete and I have a lot of the same influences. So I think that's why we gel as writers, um, you know, as, as well as uh, Carl and Dave. Um, I think is, you know, Pete and I have sat and had drinks and talked about this. And I, I think it's, you know, for me, it was taking melody from like, say, David Bowie or Bee Gees, like a, and being a piano player as a young kid. And then, but putting that to like, you know, the dirty rawness ass kicking of like, you know, of early Aerosmith and Van Halen and Dio. And, and so you make up for me as a writer, I was like always mixing those elements of like, you know, say, you know, say a prayer by Duran Duran meets, you know, uh, Judas Priest. You got another thing coming. So for me, it was always, it was always about melody and this emotion and this painting. Uh, and that's kind of how I, I, I established myself as a, as a pretty good writer. You know, it was taking all these different things and, and mixing them together as opposed to writing in just one style of riffs and stuff like that. It was a, it was a canvas for me. Yeah. Pete, I think I it's uh, yeah. the same way. Yeah. It's like a kind of an evolution for myself kind of goes back to, uh, you know, the Colt uh, electric album. I think that's kind of where I started when I started writing. That was a main big inspiration for me. And I think like what Stacy is, uh, was just speaking of, it's been kind of a, just a, you know, a work in progress and an evol- uh, it just evolved into what it is now, just kind of hitting all, all the, where we're at right now, it's just, I, I'm writing the most genuine, uh, and I hate to use the word authentic, but it's the most authentic music I've ever written lyrically yeah. melody. It's the most in the past. I always felt like I had to be somebody else. You know, it's like, ah, I need to be Ian Ansbury or Josh Todd, because it was the, you know, when Buck Cherry first came out, that was the thing. Now uh, it's taken me some time, but I, I have my voice and I am me for the first time. I think really you channel genuine. also too, Jay. It's like, and we've talked about this too, because you channel who your idols are. You know, for me, it's like I wanted to be, you know, Joe Perry, um, you know, and Randy Rhodes, and uh, you know, all the uh, Steve Stevens and all Johnny Thunders. And I think with Pete too, it's like he channels his David Bowie, his his influences of Scott Weiland and and uh, you know Ian Asbury, and uh, but you know Pete's also into Michael Jackson, and so I think you take all these things and you make it, you just kind of all tie them up in this knot, and then you just release it, and it, it you become you. Um, but uh, Pete's he's got a, he's got a real fantastic sense of melody. And again, that comes down to influences as, you know, I do with my guitar lines and stuff um, are very eclectic, kind of airy, haunting. And that's, you know, I get that growing up listening to Rush, you know, for example, Alex Lyson was a big influence on me. But then I, I, you know, I take those, like I said, you know, melodies of like seeing the motels or Duran Duran and then mix it with a little you know, Aerosmith or, 
Guns N' Roses or any of any of the, those great classic bands, and then you get this kind of very interesting. That's why when you hear "Breathe," it, it wow, this sounds really different because it is different. <laughs> and if you'd have heard the demo that Carl I wrote ten years ago, it's night and day from <laughs> you know what we recorded, but the idea was there. So you know when we all heard that, it was like this is this is freaking cool, yeah. Let's, yeah. this is going to be something special. And then Mike came in, changed the key, drop, dropped it down to a drop D and changed the key. And then it just went from there. And Mike Gillies, our producer, um, was Metallica's studio engineer for 26 years. Um, fantastic producer, sixth member of the band, as far as I'm concerned. He just went to town and that's what you hear. <laughs> but that's it's different than anything I've ever recorded, and I think it's different than anything you've done before. And, and yeah, I think so uh, it's exciting. Yeah, with this band, it's it's actually one of the first bands we never sat down and said, "All right, guys, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to sound. This is how we're going to look." The only thing that we said is we want to do something different. Yeah, and we don't want to do any rehash anything that we've done in the past. We don't want to look like it. We don't want to sound like it. And that's kind yeah. of like where it is right now. And everybody, everybody contributes yeah. to the songs. What, what's cool too, Jay, is like when you hear our music, it's like there's a little bit of everything. You can hear a little Stone Temple Pilots. You can hear a little bit of Soundgarden. You can hear the Cult. You can hear, uh, you know, some Foo Fighters and Guns N' Roses. So it's just all this great elements of great rock uh, mixed up into a classic new kind of modern vibe. I don't, I, I don't think we sound really like anybody. No, you don't. I, I agree. I, I, and that's one thing that really caught my ear was the texture, the layers that you guys have. I mean, there's not one definitive influence that you yeah. can say, oh, if you like this band, you'll like these guys. I mean, it's basically yeah. a, a stew of stuff that you guys kind of all merge together. You know, I mean, I think of the conversations I have with my son, who's a, who's a young guitar player. And he was asking (laughs) me, you know, about, you know, listening to stuff. And I said, at your age, you should focus on listening to everything. Oh yeah. Because because if you're, if you're only listening to one style, you're going to sound like everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, you listen to the blues, listen to jazz, listen to pop rock, listen to country, listen to everything and pick and pick things that you like from each artist. And that's how you yeah. find your own sound. Yeah, um, right. And then the next day I see my John Lee Hooker and my Muddy Waters uh, albums in his room. Nice. <laughs> so, so that was, yeah, uh, that was really awesome. Good. Yeah. As far well, that's, as that's the hope for uh, rock, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's, I think, and I did it too, when I was growing up, you know, I grew up, you know, during the you know eighties and that's all I listened to. Everything else was shit. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then I started to listen to a lot of singer songwriters, listen to a lot of different stuff, um, you know, like Butch Walker or Pete Yorn, artists yeah. like that. Um, you know, I like that old swampy country stuff, too, as well, which is really kind of blues based. Yes, totally. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's really important. I think, too, one of the things that that I see, especially with newer bands um, they're all good. I, 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 I never try, I never bash anyone. They all have their place. Um, yeah. but 
I think a lot of people focus on, oh, they sound like this band. Oh, they sound like that band. And I guess it might be hard to do because, you know, you're a young kid and you're listening to this type of music and, you know, you don't maybe understand the legacy of, and the footprint, I should say, probably the footprint of influence those bands leave and to kind of fall under their shell and fall under that bubble. That's a, it's a, it's a pretty wild place to be if, if you're going to go that route, you know, because you're, you're going to be, yeah. you're going to be compared to those bands. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but you know, I do like the bands that kind of forge their own path and give me something new. Uh, going back to our influences, we're all influenced by, you know, we all know the stones were influenced by muddy waters and yeah. blues and such, yeah. you know, I was actually just listening to Funkadelic the other day and was like, oh my gosh, this is Prince. It was like everything about it was Prince. Yeah, but, you know, Prince went on and wrote his own, made it his own thing. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm really hopeful for the youth. I see a lot of youth uh, playing instruments again and guitars and getting into rock. And uh, even the first band that, uh, the band that opened uh, with us, our first show, uh, slaves to humanity. I mean, these are kids and they're out there rocking, you know? And, um, so that's kind of like where we want to, we want to jump on and, uh, play with a lot of alike bands with us that are doing things that are different, especially in the youth, uh, you know, in the, the younger bands as well, you know? So that, I just happened to so that. cool when we were backstage, uh, at the show and, you know, we were listening to the opening band and they went into this version of Baba O'Reilly. And I was like, what? Wow. I mean, these kids were like 16, 17 years old. And, and they did this cool version of that without keyboards. And it, they were, yeah, great, great band. We're going to do more shows with them, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Band. Yeah. As far as Crashing Wayward's history goes, how did, how did this all begin for you guys? Well, uh, well Kind of an interesting backstory. Um, do you want to tell it, Peter? Or do you want me to? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so I hadn't been uh, doing anything musically for about ten years because I was kind of at a point where just nothing was gelling, and um, I so I kind of just more or less gave up. But I had a close friend who started off as you know one of my biggest mega fans from my previous band and he just never gave up on me you know he he was like i'll put you in the studio you can record your own stuff uh so we we did a couple songs but he would always send me uh, you know links of bands that were auditioning or looking for a singer and i would just shoot him down every time nope nope not what i'm looking for and uh one day out of the blue, he sent me uh, a link to Stacy's Facebook and says, electric radio Kings is looking for a new singer. Their singer just quit. I just messaged Stacy. I saw this, you know, in the text message, his little profile photo. And I'm like, and I saw Stacy, Stacy, David blades. And I'm like, I know that guy. So, uh, long story short, uh, <laughs> Stacy, uh, I guess you're more or less interested, intrigued to what Steve was uh, telling you yeah, or sending so, you. Uh, you know, backstory, Pete, Pete and I actually knew each other in the early 2000s, and he would come up the same friend. We hung out, we got to know each other, but then we lost contact with each other. So anyways, um, 
uh, from 2017 to 2019, this electric radio kings, and um, and we got signed to a company called MI5, which was part of Universal, and we had done a couple singles with big radio campaigns that did very well. So we actually remade uh, a version of uh, Amy Winehouse's Back to Black, which uh, actually charted uh, number 28 um, on Billboard Mainstream Rock Charts. We were like, holy shit, it's all happening. And it was a huge management deal in the works. And we started playing some great shows. And the singer, I he just knew that, he, you know, I could see this unfolding. He, he was on the fence and he wanted to do it, but he didn't. And I, he knew that he couldn't carry. And the night our album came out on Universal, we played in Houston in front of a huge crowd. And uh, we got back to the hotel and he's like, check your emails. I quit the band. See ya. And we locked the record stiff. <laughs> it didn't do anything. The management deal fell through. And that was it. Uh, I was just the band imploded and uh, I was I was going to quit music because it was like all this building success and we were getting tons of national radio airplay and I'm like what the what what just happened but it happened for a reason and so uh, Peter's friend Steve messaged me and I, I was so checked out at that point. I, I, I just didn't care, but it was like, I got to keep the band going and continue this, I want to say legacy, because it was no legacy, but I got to hold on to this life raft, you know? <laughs> so he's like, do you check out Pete? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he goes, go back on his page. So I went back on his page and Pete had redone a version of Rihanna's Stay. And... I was just blown away and I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. I, I was like, Holy fuck. This guy's amazing. So I messaged Steve back and I said, yeah, this guy's great. He goes, well, you know him Stace. I go, I don't. He goes, yeah, that's Pete from whiskey star and daredevil Jane. It was like a brick. Bang. I'm like, holy shit and it all just <laughs> so i'm like oh my god like yeah call, you know have him call me so i'm like what's up dude and uh you know caught up and this is the you know what caught what sold me was like he was like i'm your guy man don't fuck around don't fuck around with anybody else i'm your guy and i'm like damn right you, are. you know why i said that is because i was so tired of getting runarounds from other bands <laughs> And I'm just like, this is it. This is it for me. I'm going to do this. I know Stacy. Uh, you know, I dig Stacy, and this is it. So I, yeah. that's why I said what I said. So, so all the other guys just kind of started coming in with Carl and Dave. Dave was already filling in for uh, Keith Horn, who's the guitar player. So, um, Dave was like, you know, I'm like, do you want to do this new thing with me? You know, but we were calling it ERK still. <clears throat> Um, so we played a couple shows right before the pandemic and, um, 
then, you know, shit hit the fan. And uh, then the drummer was like, I'm not going leaving my house for a year or so. And, you know, we were having problems with, 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 uh, with him and um, great drummer and everything, but uh, it just wasn't working out. So we got Sean and then it just really started taking a life of its own. And then that's when, you know, Pete said, he's like, Stace, this isn't, this isn't electric radio games. He's like, you're the only guy from that, that band. Cause we got it. We got it. We got, this is a whole new different thing. It sounds nothing like that other band. I was like, you're right. So uh, he was like, you got to change the name. And I, I had to, <clears throat> to legally do it because I had an LLC with the singer. So we're like, oh, okay, what are we going to call the name? So that's the worst. That's the worst. Yeah, because yeah. you got five guys trying to name a band. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's chaos. So Pete and I started throwing a few names around and all of a sudden, just third day, I'm like, Pete, what do you think you're crashing wayward? He goes, that's the name. That's it. That's the name of the band. He goes, don't, don't dictate, you know, any other name. He goes, that's it. And he goes, you tell everybody that's the name of the band and it's not open for discussion. Yeah. In hindsight, so, we should have gotten we everybody involved. So I, said, I told them everything was going on, and I, yeah, I had to legally dissolve this name. And, uh, like, what? I said, okay, the name of the new, new uh, band is Crashing Wayward. It's like, they were like, is this up for discussion? I'm like, nope. <laughs> Everyone's like, okay. <laughs> so uh, I had to be a little bit of a ball breaker on that. But, you know, it was like, you know, Pete was saying, it's like, if, if this will be drawn out for months, um, and you know, we made the announcement, and the 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 response was off the hook. And I was like, "Damn it, buddy, you were you were right." It was really really overwhelming the response. So I, I, that's when I knew we made the right decision. <clears throat> you know, have yeah, you? Know, it, it, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say it really opened up the door for us to write the music that we had gone on to write. So it. I think it was the best move that we could add made. But you know, you also have the element of the pandemic. And Pete, you mentioned something that, you know, you are you feel like you're 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 you've connected with yourself lyrically and and, and, and writing music. Do you feel like this pause and things really helped that come along and really helped that process with you of like kind of finding yourself musically? And, and I think you use the word more authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think just, uh, you know, uh, especially just the year, you know, of 2020 and just, you know, that entire year and just uh, more or less being quarantined at home, really, you know, self-reflection, you know, self-reflection and, you know, meaning of life. And, um, it just, uh, so much going on, you know, uh, socially, politically, uh, you know, alienation from neighbors and, you know, who to trust, who to, you know, just everything has just like really opened up the floodgate for me lyrically. And, uh, it's allowed me to write, uh stuff you know content that is uh i feel i feel brave singing what i'm singing about 
in uh, most of these songs. All these songs have a meaning. It's not going out and hanging with the boys and getting drunk, you know, um, and nothing against any of that. That's all great. And we need to have fun, you know, songs like that. But I wanted to have uh, depth and meaning to everything and uh, have something that is fun, you know, not everything just down and out and, um, you know, woe is me, but have things that kind of uplift people and make people think. And um, that's really what the last two years have uh, given me. I've, I feel blessed in that way. It's just kind of, you know, really opened yeah, up. Everything with this band has really kind of been a gift. Just the songwriting is, you know, we got four very strong songwriters and Sean does this thing on there and, just kind of is so open-minded too because some drummers are just like i'm i'm playing what i want to play and, and you know sean's just like what do you want to do you know and then you know it, it's, sometimes we just go just do your thing or sometimes we'll have an idea and he, and he, and he takes it and he makes it great so this this synergy be, between the five of us is just freaking you can't touch it man um it's just incredible you know and i've been in some great bands and and there's, there's there's something to be said about the chemistry between the five of us is uh, um, very, very compatible. Did you find that the pause with COVID helped the band? I mean, it is dangerous for a new band to to not have any gigs and to not. And, yeah. and it's hard to keep a band together, you know, yeah. when you're dealing with all that. But at the same time, you know, having yourselves find yourselves and find yourselves as a band musically lyrically the direction you want to go uh, sometimes a pause isn't the worst thing no it, it, it helped us because yeah. we just spent we spent once everything kind of opened up like last august of 2020 because the studios were even closed here so we we couldn't we couldn't work at all so we just demoed and demoed and demoed and demoed and then mike started doing pre-production and uh so once we got in and started recording we just just spent so much time refining all these songs and then just more batch of songs came and, and it was just like it kept us busy so we were we were bummed we couldn't play but this wave of creativity was just unstoppable for us so um yeah we got we and you know we got what we needed to, to get done and we shot the video in november of uh 20 and uh so Come February, boom, we had this great new single and a great new video. And uh, we had two other songs at that time that were already pretty much finished. And then we were like, okay, we need to do the rest of an album. So we went in May or June through just last weekend. We're still recording, but all of a sudden, these, all these songs we wrote, Mike's just the production. And it's like, holy crap, this is some. He's, when the producer says this is magical from a guy who worked with Metallica for 25 years, he says this is magical. It's like, I think we're doing, I think we got something cool. You might be honest, something. Yeah. We might be honest. You know, and I, 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 I'm not one guy to toot my own horn, but this band's, it's freaking amazing. You know, I, I'm, I'm proud to say that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, it, it you know, we just had our first show and it feels good to get that one dust off, you know, the cobwebs yeah. and get that one going. And now just kind of like, you know, get that, you know, 
fine tune our craft and get on stage and just play these songs and just uh, gel. Cause I think that has, I, I feel very blessed that we've had the time to develop these songs and write this out, these albums, or it, it's going to be a couple of EPs is what we're deciding to release. Mm-hmm. So we have a couple of EPs worth, um, but it's given us time for that, but it did take away from us getting together and rehearsing and, uh, playing uh you know together uh, i feel that uh was the biggest negative and loss for us but we're getting back into it now now that things are you know in full swing and i'm i'm excited for that i'm excited to just gelling with these guys on stage knowing where they move and just kind of you know matrixing around them because just feeling it so as far as what's next when can we expect a full length album from from Crashing Wayward? I think February March will release the first EP, um, and we're going to ready the new single, which is called Stranger Days, which is a phenomenal song. And we're going to do something very different visually for that uh, video wise. So that'll launch the first EP and. Um, we're booking more shows and we're going to start venturing out east um and uh try to conquer the world there's a world left to conquer chicago did you did you you mentioned east uh i'm in chicago so just keep that in mind yeah we we love to go yeah we'd love to come out to chicago and play for you as far as the music goes you know 2021 uh was it uh, or had an overwhelming amount of great music seemed like everybody was swinging, you know, from the fences from, you know, early on this year, all the way through, through the month of November into December. Uh, and, you know, a lot of bands have to keep in front of their fan base nowadays because the attention span is so short because what is looked upon as great on a Friday by next Friday, shit by next Wednesday, you know, they're on to something else. So you have to mm-hmm. really keep in front of, of an artist. And you mentioned the first EP coming out. And I've heard a lot of bands that I've talked to taking an approach of doing an EP at the beginning of the year, doing another EP at the end of the year. So they can keep having material out in front yeah. of the fans. Is that is that right. the idea for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Sean too. Oh, Malin. And then, you know, these guys are going... Well, that just blows a whole wad right out of it. Everything is so quick, 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 quick now these days. And like, so it's like, why spend that format and just blow it all out of something that we've been working on for two years? So let's kind of breadcrumb, you know. Yeah. So when it's all said and done, we have 13 songs, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, we want to release the two EPs and then uh, uh, combine them afterwards and put it out as an album. But it's it's just like what you're saying. We got to keep it going. Otherwise, you know, uh, and I feel it every day, you know, the FOMO, you know, like what's happening next? Are we are we too late or but we just got to be patient. And uh, ride this out. We got a good thing going. I think it's relevant. Um, and um, so I think we, you know, we're writing something that could last uh, quite a, a while, you know. 
So that's relatable. So, yeah, I, I think 2022 is going to be is going to be just as strong as 2021. Just from the bands that I know that have been hanging on to an album and waiting until mm-hmm. next year because yeah. they were like, yeah. man, there's so much new music coming out. Let's wait because you know all the great music you don't want to get ignored you don't want to get forgotten about because man there's some there's some heavy hitting going on with with music right now uh yeah i mean just it seems like every friday you know my my bank account becomes less and less because of all the music i'm buying and uh and damn it these pre uh these pre-ordered vinyls it's like every time i go on on a site and i I get the the you know the pre-order vinyl i'm like this is going to drive me into bankruptcy with all these vinyls that i'm buying so uh it's just crazy but no it's it's an exciting time to be a band and an exciting time to be a fan too as well because you know before the pandemic we were talking about rock and roll being irrelevant taking a backseat to other genres you know, people even said rock and roll is dead. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think for 100% certainty, you can't say that anymore. I think that the words now are resurgence. The words now are what's next. The words now are is, you know, connecting to the youth, you know, to uh, connecting to younger people. Yeah, I, uh, it's you, like people say rock is dead. It's like, you know, Pete and I went and saw Guns N' Roses, 40,000 people at Allegiant Stadium. It's just like, yeah, well, I, I don't think rock is dead. Right. So, well, Right. Uh, and like, and oh, rock is dead. On, band, but rock is dead on top 40 radio, you know, uh, but all I the bands, it always was. it's all rock bands. Yeah. You're right. Well, yeah. Okay. Except for when I mean, Warren, White Snake ruled, but, uh, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, but you know, that was a product of MTV though. You know, that's when radio started to follow what MTV was doing, you know, or MTV was breaking all these bands and then radio, you know, had to follow because they were going to get, you know, they were going to get crushed and they had to start playing these bands. But I never understood the fixation with rock bands about being accepted by mainstream. I've never understood Mm -hmm. that rock and roll really isn't supposed to be mainstream. It's supposed to have that, that fuck you attitude. You know, it's supposed to be like that. And, you know, it's okay if the Grammys fuck it up every year. It's okay if the rock and roll hall of fame fuck, cause that just, adds to our cause right that just that just right. puts another brick on our cause and saying hey you know this is this is really the music that that we love and we listen to and we don't care what critics say i always get nervous yeah. when i yeah. hear people quote critics about rock music and you know the music i grew up and love was never accepted by critics you know i mean you know, whether it was Maiden, whether it was Dokken, whether it was whoever, you know, those, those were never, you know, darlings of the critics or anything like that. And and uh, I see a lot of not. similarities. Iron, yeah. Iron Maiden, they, they sell out every place they play. It's just like, oh, well, critics, yeah. darlings. It's like, you, who cares? Yeah. You know, and, and I also, I, I mention this a lot on my podcast, you know, my connection with my son who listens to a lot of the new bands he said something very important, I think, too, as well, that a lot of young kids went in the pandemic listening to pop, listening to rap. And when you're sitting at home every day, e-learning, and you're and you're not doing anything new, and you're struggling with finding something to be interesting, that's when these young kids start turning to rock, right? Because they're pissed off. They're not yeah. hanging out with their friends. 
They're not, you know, being social like they want to. So, you know, he said a lot of young kids found themselves during the pandemic. You know, they, they turned off the pop music because it's the same thing. They wanted something different. They turned up the rock music. Yeah. You know, and now when I go to shows, whether, you know, I, I go see the struts or I go see rival sons or I go see other bands, there's a lot of young people that I never saw before, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you guys feel that too as well? I mean, phenomenal. Pete and I saw this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pete and I, uh, and my dearly departed ex-wife, um, passed away last week. Um, we, three of us, um, that's why I'm I'm wearing sunglasses. My eyes look, I look like a heroin addict because I'm just crying and crying. Um, but, uh, we went and saw the struts uh, for our my anniversary right before the pandemic, and I, Pete and I were blown away at the, the 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 connection of that audience from 15 years old to 60. I've never seen an audience. Jay, you saw them play, and just everybody singing everywhere. It was like one unity. I I never never seen that at a show before, and I was just like. It really influenced us, you know, because we were looking at each other going, well, shit, we got to top this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was inspiring and also made me feel like I suck. So <laughs> it, it's interesting you Not say that because <laughs> I, I, I took my son to see the struts and Nick Perry uh, a couple yeah. months ago. And he, you know, I, we go to all these shows. I take him with me to all these shows I go to and we're walking out and I go, what'd you think? He goes, that was incredible. I go, that's how it's done. That's yeah. how a lead singer holds a crowd in the palm of their hand and gets them to do whatever he wants them to do. Yeah. And I said, that they, that's magic right there. That's really something special. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, yeah. Pete had that moment, too. Uh, you know, because, like, I mean, it was our first show that, you know, I hadn't played in 17 months. Pete hadn't played in 17 months. The other guys have played. So it was very special for Pete and I, and um, he was very quiet all week, and I was kind of getting worried. <laughs> it was just like, he was like Ross on, on Friends when he was like living with uh, Joey. And, um, Hi. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I was like, and then he just came out of the gate, man, and he Pete looked so fucking rad, and he he was just on fire and he, and I saw something very special in him that night. And I'm like, this is what from the first conversation I had with him. And cause I'd seen him play. This kid's a superstar. He's going to be the next Bowie, the next Scott Weiland. And it's like, it was like watching, you know, Nick Strutz, uh, you know, it was that same kind of energy. And it's, I'm just so excited for us to get in front of really a lot of people and, you know, let just let loose and let them, let the magic pour out of us. Cause I feel that this whole band has been just an absolute gift from God. You, you know, when we think about years past decades past of the scene that occurred in LA and the scene that was in Seattle the scene is really global now. Um, and you're able as a band to reach fans that normally, you know, years ago, you wouldn't be able to reach. You couldn't get their music 
or it wasn't as accessible as it is now. And that's something yeah. that, you know, is, is really different and a positive, especially for new bands that can release a single, release an EP and people in Spain, people in South America, people all over can hear your music and make that connection and build your fan base that way. Have you seen a lot of, of interest from outside the U.S., outside of Canada? Um, you know, we got we got played on this uh, Australian podcast, and I remember the guy's reaction after he played. Oh, he played Disco Kills. Was that it, Pete? Yeah, our second single, uh, Disco Kills. Which is yeah, a great song. Fantastic song, too. He's like, oh, I tell you what. It was, you know, it was something like that. Um, so to hear that, Wow, well, I'm like, wow, we just got played in Australia. And the guy's reaction with the accent was like, that felt pretty good. That felt pretty good, you know. And that was one of the first songs uh, Dave brought into the band, or the guitar player, Dave Paris. And um, it was like Sabbathy, Soundgarden. And that was the song I played to Sean, our drummer, when I asked him to, to, if he was interested in the band. And he heard that. He was like, fuck yeah. So um, we've had some press in South America and stuff too, but you know, the band still at Jay's is, is fairly new. So we're still yeah. getting out, but um, yeah, we got uh, um, disco kills as well to mention. We won U- uh, UK's classic rock magazine track of the week. That's awesome. Yeah. And we it was, it was a stiff competition. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we, we won. Well, we, we won. We won. So uh, we were like, vote, 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 vote. Come on, everyone, all of our fans, vote, vote. So, man, we just, we just skated by. But that was, that was pretty prestigious for us to, to win that. Um, we did win some international film awards in like India or Breathe. Um, we look forward to going to India. So. <laughs> it looks the nice Indeed. little piece of paper we won got chosen so i don't know <laughs> I, I always yeah I so always, a little bit i always get, <laughs> I get amazed when i look at the analytics of the podcast and i i see pakistan on there i'm like who the hell is listening to me in pakistan who, who the hell is listening to me babble you know technology hate it or love it uh, yeah it, it it does it does you know go to realms up above and beyond so yeah because normally it's like you know if it was 1988 it's like you know there's nobody in pakistan that's able to get your music to for an unsigned unsigned band right right but it even was that way too where like if you were a band in new york and you were a local band me being in chicago more likely i would never hear that band oh of course not yeah and I and I think the the reach is so awesome now that yeah that's a definite plus for sure, Jim. Yeah, you know it, it, it really is. I mean, I, I've talked to bands who have gotten in contact with booking agents in Belgium and Spain, and rock bands are treated like royalty over there. You know, there's there's still that mystique about rock and roll where I think in America it still isn't at that level that it used to be. So you know, it, it, it's been a great conversation, guys. Um, I do appreciate Thank you. you coming Thank on. You. Yeah, and be sure to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, We'll have a new single and video out soon. 
in the next couple of months. And uh, our EP is coming. Amazing material. And be sure to um, join our, our website, www.crashingwayward.com and um, follow us on Instagram. Um, we're going to start touring next year and come to a town near you. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, it's been great. It's been a pleasure talking with you guys. Everyone, that's Stacy. That's Pete from the band Crashing Wayward. Check them out on all the socials, as Stacy just mentioned. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay strong, stay safe, take care of each other. We'll chat soon. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having us. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.